0: Hello, and welcome to this week's Stats 1 Podcast with me, James York, and...
1: Ted Knudsen.
0: How are we, Ted?
1: Do we remember how to do this? It's been a while, isn't it? It was a lovely break. I didn't have to talk to you.
0: <laughs> the bon- bonus of being back to work is getting get to talk to me plenty, Ted, and uh, including doing this. Now, I don't know what we're going to talk about, really, because... We have some plans that were related to transfers, but so much has gone on, Like uh, especially in the Premier League. Things have changed a lot, so we'll probably hit on both. bit of transfers, a bit of what the hell's happened in the Premier League in the last, what,
1: five weeks since we actually did one? Do you know what hasn't changed? Go on. Liverpool are way out in front. Oh,
0: yeah. Uh, Really pleased to see that. Uh, What a side. What can I say?
1: Just the uh, 20 wins out of 21 games and a single draw.
0: I think uh, the thing I'm interested in about this is, like, in recent times, There uh, actually, I don't have to, Man City, just Parmore and Villa, it might have changed again. But, like, in recent times, Liverpool's expected numbers actually look league best, uh, which they didn't at the start of the season. So, that sits nicely with me when Liverpool actually are putting up the numbers to match their position, uh, even if they're not quite putting up 20 out of 21 wins numbers. But then, who is?
1: Takes a little bit of luck. Or... Here's the other thing. So here's the thing. I've I've been thinking about this for like a lot of the season. And I've talked to other people who also have like similar opinions. And there's this bit of you that wants to say that Liverpool are a bit lucky versus their numbers because they're just not this dominant. Right. But there's this other bit that says that like they're really smart and maybe there's stuff that they understand that we don't. And so that should be baked into it as well.
0: They're definitely managing games. They definitely attempt to manage games, which means that, like, you know, from a kind of classic metrics perspective, you might not, like, see them uh, coming over as superior as anything. But I think last 10 games, they haven't been behind. Now... It's useful. Yeah. (laughs) If if there's a bit of magic in if there's a secret as to how to never concede the first goal then that's great you sure know. and and if I'm you, not sure there is
1: if you've got like the meep meep guys up front and you've got people that can deliver to them uh, then it's easier to get that second goal as well because yeah, you know, yeah, teams yeah. have to chase and-,
0: and something they've done frequently over the whole course of the season is scored quick goals two quick goals uh you know a number of times they've scored within kind of like scored a goal and they scored again within sort of 5 10 15 20 minutes and it really just kind of kill games off but yeah, I mean, all parts of them—they're going to win this league, and they're going to deserve it. And you know, they arguably just were hard done Why not to win it last season. Uh, you can't have any complaints. Two hard champions hard done how though,
1: because Manchester City were the best team. Yeah, I know. In the metrics, for the man who likes the orderliness <laughs> of the metrics, <laughs> but
0: you know, when you when you win so many games, I mean, that was the thing. I was thinking, oh, you know, they're, they're doing insanely well this season. I looked at the same stage last season, and they don't. I only like, I think, I don't know, three draws or something. So it's like they're only a little bit bad than they were last season because they were insanely good at this point last season. Apparently, as well. they're pretty good. <laughs> this is it. We're gonna have to get used to this idea. Liverpool, pretty good.
1: And it's, it's this joke thing out there where people say just absolute nonsense about how the Premier League is so much weaker right now than it has been. And a lot of that, you know, kind of has to do with the fact that you have had one and then two very dominant teams, you know, scooping up more of the pie. But when you look at Europe, the Premier League has had the best teams in Europe. And once again, it looks like they have some of the best teams in Europe. And so, what are we actually talking about here? Because you know, deeper you go down the Premier League, like there are a lot of very scrappy teams battling. Like the relegation race and the mid-table race are really tied together. There's seven total points separating <coughs> Arsenal uh, from <laughs> from the relegation spots in tenth. Um, and then, like in the, on the European side, you know, it looks like. Manchester United and Chelsea and Arsenal and whoever else are weaker than they have been, right? But the fact of the matter is, when they go out into Europe, they tend to be quite dominant, hugely dominant last year, and you have the best teams that the Premier League has ever seen the last three years.
0: Yeah, certainly more so. There was a time when European, uh, sorry, English teams in Europe were kind of or really quite mediocre to go out early or not to take the Europa League seriously. And I'm not sure quite how seriously everyone's taking the Europa League these days, but Hey, there's prize money there. I'm someone, I'm sure someone told me quite recently, Arsenal, like 34 million quid last season from going to the final. Yeah. If you, know, if you get that deep, that's yeah. yeah. I, think,
1: I think Arsenal and uh, Kieran Maguire was talking about it on, um, the price of football podcast. So it's a, it's a finance podcast and sorry, professor Kieran Maguire. Um, yeah, he was saying. I think that both United and Arsenal took about ten million out of the Europa League group, group stages, so it's not nothing, right? Like that's, mm. I mean it's not Mesut Ozil's wages for a year either. But <laughs> <laughs> on top
0: of all the riches that you know, TV riches and Premier League riches, it's, you know, it all helps. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that continues. You know, you, you can fully expect Liverpool to go deep into this this season's Champions League. Man City, you just never know because uh, you know, the, the, the one week they're hammering teams, next week they're just conceding goals and things are going a bit weird and then you know Tottenham are still there Chelsea is, Chelsea is still there you know they could always come up with something Mourinho defensive master class all the way through to the final you never know
1: they're not in fifth anymore though so I'm not sure we can talk about that
0: <laughs> who is in fifth is it United it's oh United again God. United who uh, no one knows if they're any good or not because uh
1: well they're part of that second tier now and it, that's actually quite interesting like if you look at the goal differences as opposed to like any other metrics the the top tier at the moment is Liverpool and, and City, and then there's this this Leicester one where if you look at the metrics, like Leicester, do <laughs> not belong around there. They
0: <laughs> they it's funny because they got because they got trolled over Christmas by Liverpool and Man City, and it really it really you know even though it's just two games, just hammered their metrics. Before that, they caught up. It was like this looks like a top four team. Then they walked into two trucks and got knocked knocked over. Strength flat. of schedule, strength <laughs> of opponent, that <laughs> yeah. all matters, right? You um, got
1: you got to adjust a little bit there. Uh, but yeah, like they're by themselves with a plus twenty six, and they've got forty five points. Uh, so like they're still eleven ahead of where United are, and then there's Chelsea and United, where plus ten and plus eleven is what the goal differences are. But there's five points separating those teams, and you know, would you say that Chelsea and United are basically the same strength? I would mean, not by the old school, or but not by the new school ways. But by the old school ways, you're like, yeah, maybe.
0: Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Man United, Man United are just a weird one at the moment because you can see where their flaws are. You can see what the lack of depth in kind of like midfield and attacking positions. Uh, the defense has been pretty solid all season. I mean, yeah, expecting it's interesting. Expecting numbers, we've got Wolves, United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, all just kind of similar defensively. Uh, and you know, we're up to twenty-two games. It's you know not not a ridiculously small kind of um, uh, sample here, so you can have some confidence there in this, and then. Yeah, I mean, Man United's attack looks a bit more like the mid-table. I mean, that's that's the difference I think. Really, at the top of the table, is the top four teams are the ones with the basically the best attacks. Uh, Defence has been a little bit more, a sim- uh, little bit more similar. Kind United
1: of. have chosen to play without most of a midfield for for this season, and it was it was impressive to see Juan Mata come back this weekend and pick apart Norwich on some absolutely gorgeous deliveries. Uh, one of them. Was uh, sort of an in swinging, sort of inside cross uh, that went to the far post. And I think it was uh, Rashford that bundled it home. Mm-hmm. There was a penalty that got called because of just a brain fart by Tim Krul, and then another one was a, a second phase corner that I laughed at because it looked like either the the defenders were supposed to make the far post run and forgot, <laughs> or or they made a delayed one so they could get the far post overload. And uh, anyway, it didn't matter. Martial like. Leapt and and you know when Juan Mata has time to put the ball on top of guys heads or at the bottom of their feet he's like really really good I haven't seen him play that much it feels like for for quite a while but yeah
0: no he's, he has he's got quite a lot of criticism this season when he when he's played for looking off the pace and such and such but that that's the thing you know you, you give a guy a little bit of space and he can put the put the ball on his he's not points. young no anymore. no and they gave him another contract which was interesting because well sure why
1: not <laughs> <laughs> United give everybody contracts. Once you get in the door at United, you never actually have to leave. Apparently,
0: apart from Ashley Young, who's trying to, it seems to be trying to extricate himself and get to get to Inter, get to the, the Man United reclamation the project.
1: Yeah, exactly. So like they they're able to sell on to Italy or or shift on to Italy. That's weird, isn't
0: it? I mean, you got Smalling at, doing pretty well at Roma. Uh, you got Sanchez and Lukaku already rocked up at Inter, potentially um, Young as well. I mean, what's the, is there, what, is there one agent here who's doing all the work? I know, like Mina's, Mina's got a couple of those guys. But yeah, is there, is he's revered there, this, in Italy. This connection of like, you know, kind of. Jesse like,
1: Lingard is going to be yeah. starting for yeah, a, he, Juventus yeah, uh, he's, next he's, year.
0: He's literally, I think he's just got <laughs> Mina as his agent as well. So he could, yeah, Italy next, got to be. This is where they're all going.
1: I saw Chris Smalling at the airport uh, coming back from my holiday. I was like, oh, wow, that's. That is Chris Smalling, and my family actually doesn't pay any attention. I, my son watches football, but like he just doesn't know what guys look like, and he's just like, "Nah, eh, I don't know." Which airport, <laughs> huh? I, I don't want to talk about this. Come on. Oh, okay. these guys I, have private lives he's in the
0: know where's he going he's yeah. home for christmas literally that's what he's doing <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> not like, doing anything at all well, or
1: maybe to some sun you he know? Saw, a, <laughs> yeah, saw
0: a footballer in an airport it's it's like, like I've, yeah, i have I'm, four days worth of sun
1: i'm on yeah. holiday yeah. the last one i definitely remember seeing was raheem sterling and that was in miami back when i was still in gambling so quite a long while ago uh it was a fa cup break weekend or whatever and sterling apparently used to go to jamaica on a regular basis and so miami would be like a stop off to jamaica or you could just go to miami but whatever like these guys have private lives james don't don't pry this isn't the royals we don't have to know everything about them
0: i got thoughts about the royals
1: oh no (laughs) oh god what have i done
0: (laughs) i think it's interesting i think i i almost tempted to write something about it because it's so it's so daft and so you're uh, so
1: English. I'm tempted to write no, no,
0: about... No, no, the, quite the opposite because it, because the, 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 the weird Englishness that's kind of taken over. Like I was uh, speaking to an older relative quite recently and they were like, and they were like giving it all this, uh, Megan, I, I knew it. Like she's she's got her claws into him. It's like, oh my god, it's like impossible. Some sort of shiksa. <laughs> it's impossible to think that, like you know, a woman and a man can be in a relationship and want to, and wants to do something together. No, she's got her wicked way. And it's like, forget. It. Anyway, I, I, people are switching off in droves. I'm gonna shut that up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we were supposed to talk about transfers. This is a transfer story. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> people have they really enjoyed that, haven't they? Turning it into a, turning reframing it as a wanting out of the team and such but all
1: right so we should talk about the other end of the table because some team that looked like they were dead and gone are now officially off the schneid and in fact two teams i would say one of them is like more solid mid table the other one is now in 17th and they have the same number of points over the last five games which is pretty useful if you get 13 points out of your last five matches Mm. that will definitely move you up the table almost regardless of where you are yeah, so, I mean,
0: who do you want to go for first? Samson?
1: I think we have to do Watford first because right. they looked like they were, they were somewhat doomed. But the, the sort of counterpoint to that was in, in all the expected goals numbers, they looked like they were you know, pretty close to league average for, for quite a while. They changed the manager. That went badly. And then they swapped to Nigel Pearson, who has been resurrected. He was uh, apparently you know, in the, the, wood, the woodlands of uh, Belgium. And uh, and now has come back to the Premier League, and yeah, like that's a it's a pretty good return uh, to get them all the way from being near relegation certainties to it's not safe, but at least they're in the battle for for 17. Yeah, which is and pretty point
0: pointing in the right direction. I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, there's often you know commentary about like you know giving managers time to turn things around. Like Watford, <laughs> often the one team that just like nah it ain't working. Forget it, new manager. And you know this this is a single case point to suggest that yeah, if it ain't quite working, then do it like, I know West Brom got Pardew in after Pulis a couple of years ago, and Pardew went, I think, he didn't last the season, but he went through a lot longer than um, uh, Kiko Sanchez-Flores uh, did, and you know, by the time they made another switch, it was essentially too late, but then Darren Moore came in and did quite well and almost kept them up, so you know, don't just don't just sit on your hands, I think is, is the message here, and Watford, they did look as though the metrics didn't look terrible. The metrics don't look great right now, but the, me- the metrics didn't look terrible. But the point was one win is just horrific from half a season one win. Essentially half a season one win. Now they've gone and bagged four quickly and it just makes a huge difference. I mean, that's the thing. Wins in this in this league are everything. And, you know, if you think, even down from, like, say, Sheffield United and Six have got eight wins down to, say, Bournemouth. You know, Villa have got six and they're in the, in the relegation zone. You know, it's, it's not that kind of, like... Uh, far apart across the kind of mid and um, bottom of the league. But. I thought
1: it was interesting that two teams in in recent history that looked like they should have been dead and gone. Uh, Crystal Palace was another one where like the the underlying numbers were not that bad. Uh, they they got rid of a manager fairly early, like the Frank de Boer one. They like, just didn't support him at all with any of the transfers they would have needed in order to play play a style of play. And you know some coaches are able to adapt. Like I think Graham Potter might be one of those particularly adapted tactical guys who can who can take different parts and, and put them together into, into something useful. But yeah, and then Hodgson comes in and Hodgson does Hodgeball and Crystal Palace are like eternal middle table guys and, and so be it. Uh, but like the same sort of numbers there, Watford, similar numbers when the first firing happened, really crappy first part of the season. And then suddenly, well, I'm mean, not suddenly, but they eventually end up at least in and around the the relegation spots. Whether this will continue, I don't know. But obviously, it's it's pretty useful. Let's talk about the the other team that I think actually, you know, people are really excited by because a lot of the analytics people and the tactical people thought that Hasan Huddle was a great hire, and finally they seem to be playing the type of ball that he wants to play.
0: Yeah, I mean, I put a chart out yesterday on Twitter, and literally last last nine, ten games, that was the kind of thing. That, like their expected goals is, is like third in the league behind Liverpool and City. Wow, I didn't realize it. Was Did that you yet. see that? Yeah, honestly, it's it's they. I mean, they've won six out of ten, drawn two, and the last kind of last kind of run. But it's weird because I think for some while, you know, when they were struggling, you know, they struggled for quite a long time. Like not who got results to turn around quickly when he went there, but it felt like their metrics weren't really kind of supporting that. And then the start of this season, they, they just didn't look strong at all. And you looked at the squad, you looked at the team and you thought, I don't know, you know, they, maybe they just haven't got the depth, they haven't got the strength in, in their starters. When you think of all the good players that have gone through Southampton over the years and most of them ended up Liverpool, you know, where are those those you know elite players in amongst them? And now, you know, we, we're kind of a year into the Hugo project and they've hit this fine run uh, and basically deposited themselves in mid-table, I mean... This is it. You get six wins at any point of the season, uh, you're looking good. But six wins in ten games in the Premier League, you know, really does does a hell of a lot towards securing your kind of like uh, mid-table safety and and beyond. But yeah, it's 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 turned around and really quickly. Obviously, Engs has been huge, scored loads of goals, uh, and the, the crossbar
1: is terrified. <laughs> the, the the highlights from this weekend were just him hammering the crossbar multiple times, but also getting goals too.
0: Yeah and, that, and in that, I mean that, this is the kind of aspect that's kept plenty plenty of a side up in over the years it's just a you know a, a kind of a striker on form scoring goals so you know, this, this helps a lot. But
1: also exciting is that two of the small ish teams that came to our set pieces course this, uh, this summer are um, what fifth best in the league in terms of set pieces overall and in that, in that top cluster. So Bournemouth are, are top with 10 and then there's what four teams. Yeah, four teams with nine, and then uh, a few others with eight, so uh, pretty cool. I I like to see teams that work with us succeed. And then at the other end of the table, Sheffield United, who actually were good at set pieces down in the championship, but may not generate that many situations. Watford with one. Uh, Crystal Palace down there. Uh, Let's see, Norwich, Everton. Everton actually looked like they were coming around um, at the end of last season with uh, Marco Silva, but did not do anything... Uh, then. United sort of eternally not great. Tottenham... <laughs> Tottenham going to be interesting to watch because Man United under Mourinho in that last season were terrible, both defensively and in attack from set pieces. And I w- looked at that pretty closely and we found all sorts of ways to pick them apart. We will see... If this is like a constant for Mourinho and something that he just doesn't care about, even with his new, new coaching hires, which might change those things up, we don't know. Uh, I watched the first like three, four Tottenham games. In fact, I was watching more Tottenham games than Arsenal. I, I must have felt really bad about myself. Wait, no, Arsenal were just very bad and I didn't want to feel worse. Uh, but yeah, anyway, watching that, like they, they, were, they had the same flaws. And so I, I'm curious if that's going to continue on. James saying nothing.
0: I'm trying to think. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't watch it Tottenham because I was. I was. I was otherwise engaged. I saw bits of it, and uh, I don't know. I don't you, know what to. You think. were
1: like making comments about being in a queue and I and was a I VAR was in, like <laughs> I was in a
0: restaurant queue. and the uh, Le- Los Le- Celso like whizzed that ball wide, and it was like it was one of those. Honestly, watching on a tiny little screen because it was like, oh, you it's got five minutes. And I'll just watch it <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah. It was like I I pretty much celebrated that goal and they didn't go in somehow somehow he skewed it wide, but yeah this is interesting. To, to Tottenham will get will get to them. Arsenal of course fascinating now with Arteta in you know that's something that's happened since we last talked. So you know at least you at least we've got the the philosophy manager in Arsenal even if we've got the kind of uh, the result any results by any means possible manager in it Spurs it's a little bit of a kind of flip around there. Interesting to see how it progresses. Uh, when we get to transfers, I think Tot- Totten looked to be active. Is there anyone been linked with Arsenal at the moment? I don't think we picked anything up, really. I don't
1: think there's any incredible links. And part of that might be myself filtering. But part of it is just how much money they spunked on certain players this summer and then had to change managers, which also has a cost. So, like, you know, don't expect any, any daddy money to come in and, and help Arsenal out. Plus, honestly... Like they should basically be tanking. <laughs> like I mean, tank to mid table. Make sure you stay out of Europe. Play your kids to like drive up the value and figure out which ones are good. I, I have really strong thoughts about this, but that's not what this podcast is about today.
0: But that was that was interesting. at you know, the weekend, he did. He looked like he picked. uh Arteta picked like the the first eleven senior players, and then they weren't very good.
1: Uh, they were almost dominant. They just didn't have the number of shots that you wanted. Like in, in expected <laughs> goals numbers, they were very good.
0: Yeah, they're, they're driven across one
1: sequence of three it shots. Was, it was, I think it was mainly the point they had like
0: one shot and one goal, and that was it, like going through half time and That's just efficiency, James. And, but yeah, the defense didn't you know, give up many shots. It palace. So it's palace. that's palace. So that's the thing. <laughs>
1: that, that's where like almost everybody probably should start, right? Like you shouldn't start with the attack. You should start by solidifying the defense. Make sure that everybody understands the principles. If you really cut down on everybody else's shots, then you can build from there. Well, and you
0: know who's done that? You know who's done that? No. Mourinho. Mourinho's done that. I've I've made this point repeatedly. And you like, say
1: Mourinho. I say the players not trying to continually quit on <laughs> Pocatino. Like they, these are two
0: different things. The shot maps are revealing, and even the even the Liverpool shot uh, in the Liverpool game. Um, like, there's, there's like a, pour, a force field, like, in the, between the penalty spot and the goal, which, like, Mourinho, Mourinho, Spurs only give up headers. And then on the edge of that force field, there's there's shots. Uh, and it's funny, because li- if you look at Liverpool's shot map from the weekend, it literally is kind of like three three headers inside. And then, like, on the edge, r- like, Liverpool got... Didn't get the good shots, like, really close and We Obviously, the goal, just on the wide edge of that. But like, Liverpool, man, Liverpool, one of the best teams in the world, if not the best team in the world, <laughs> they got the shots, like... Right on the edge of where Mourinho will, will let you have shots from, or seems to be so far. But it's interesting because they've been on a horrible, um, like, concession slump. Uh, you know, the the metrics look strong. They're expected goals against look decent since he's been there, but they've been conceding goals from daft range, and I think they've conceded almost double the, what you'd expect. But again, the expe- expectation looks good at the moment football variance exists yeah uh, yeah
1: also liverpool going ahead early in that game gave spurs plenty of time to to generate a lot of extras but yeah i mean i think that that match was closer and and a little bit fraught at times it felt like you know they were they were testing them spurs st- still have great athletes and it feels like if you just play like the real talent i, I, I it comes back to this again and again like <laughs> the billy bean principle <laughs> where it's just like look if I could get the head coach to play all of the best guys, like, uh, you know, consistently, our team would be much better. But for some reason, you know, over the years, that doesn't happen. And, you know, we've had it inside of football and I'm sure the different, you know, Brighton and their recruitment group versus Chris Hewton's, uh style of play and stuff like that. Like, look, we have bought this talent to do this. These guys are better than the ones you keep playing. But nevertheless, like we can't choose like, who you put on the pitch and what they're supposed to do.
0: Well that relates to uh, spin around to the Arteta thing at the weekend. It's like he looked like he'd played his senior players. And I think and during Emery's reign, like time and again you'd look at you'd look at the lineup and you'd be like, That's not the lineup I'd pick. And I think like late late year Pochettino teams, quite a few of them, you'd look at them and you'd be like yeah, that's not the line of hide pick. And you know, what do we know? We are mere mere observers. We are not, you know esteemed football managers. but, you know, I we think air conditioning <laughs> is what you're telling me. <laughs> no, but from a from a fan, from, certainly from a fan perspective, like it, it, it's so much easier when you see the team going out, and then you're like, right, I get that team, I understand that team, I think what, I know what they're doing, and like you get that with Liverpool quite frequently, you know, because they've got such a kind of strong core of about kind of nine or ten players that always play, always play in the same positions. And it's like right, I understand this team. They, the, they team understand. Understand the team will understand it. They, yeah.
1: they know what they're supposed to do, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And true. when and because so many guys and they've got like um integrity over over time so like tactically they kind of get their setup and you know when they're able to when they change like three guys like those guys have often been around for a little while as well there is some benefit to having continuity of your squad especially if you've got manager continuity and they've learned the tactics and they're able to, to settle in and i think pocatino actually had that for quite a while until mm. he started to, to come out the other side and and lost the apparently the the will of the squad. Well, stru- structure
0: of squad is is kind of relevant to this because I think something that I felt over over recent months and certainly the last year or so with Tottenham is um, is that you you're not entirely sure what your kind of best say attacking midfield core is like you know you've got five or six players all jostling for say three positions or you know two between two and four positions and it's like I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And it's it's kind of useful when you've got three super elite players like Liverpool played play in their front line. And it's like, well, I'm just going to pick them. Right. Like Origi will cover sometimes. Yeah, Shakiri there's some no contention sometime. there.
1: But Liverpool yeah. also have kind of that midfield sort of jo- uh, jumble that, you know, they pick different ones and everybody yeah. seems to get a bit of time. And some guys end up more injured than other ones. But those guys are, are very, very good when they do play. It's been... So some, some more about Spurs, and we'll get into their transfers in just a minute, but or their rumors anyway. <clears throat> it's been really interesting and slightly painful to watch the Spurs fan base turn on Christian Eriksen. And I don't know if they're turning because of the rumors. I don't know if they're turning because of the performances. But my opinion is that this comes back to Levy. You know, like Levy could have made choices that allowed him to leave. He made it very clear that he wanted to leave. Levy has absolutely crushed so many agents in the negotiations, and you know, great for him because Spurs are in a better place because of it, right? But like, to really get down on on the players who wanted to leave and wanted to pursue their best careers, uh, you know, even if they're not playing perfectly, you know, it doesn't seem like he's actively bad, but you know, whatever. Like, you can make rumblings behind the scenes that that you know start to taint the the pool of of fandom. That says that. Oh yeah, this guy isn't working as hard. Uh, it, it feels bad because he's been an awesome soldier for them, like a really great performer. He's coming to the opposite end of his peak. He's not at in his peak anymore. Like you would like, you should have flipped him in the summertime for any number of money, right? Like you just take yeah. the money, reinvest it, let him be happy. Yeah, there was talk
0: that he was a bit fussy and like wanted to go to one of the Spanish giants, and now there's talk that he's going to end up at Inter. But then there's also talk. I mean, like all the gossip that you can search out if you look for it. That like he said he wasn't going to sign another contract years ago. Literally, you know, four years ago or something. Like I'm not going to sign another contract. No, nothing personal. And I think football in general, or like kind of fandom like just doesn't it really struggles with this concept the, the whole idea that a player might like you know want to like go and play somewhere else or do do, what do something What is best for else. me
1: is not necessarily what is best for the team and I, he needs to take care of himself during his his peak and his prime and this team is going to be around for a very long time but Christian Eriksson's career is not
0: Yeah and I, I think I, I think I don't think his form's been great at all recently. I mean, three or four months ago, I was kind of sticking up for him because I think the the view of on him had just turned completely, and it wasn't based on on anything kind of tangible apart from the knowledge of where his contract situation was. Um, the team wasn't great, maybe his form wasn't great, but I don't know. He's he's never been the most physically demonstrative player. So like you know, the team's got playing well and scoring scoring lots of goals and winning lots of matches. Christian Eriksen looks like Christian Eriksen. the team's doing badly and not not winning many matches he still looks the same he's got the same kind of like uh, casual kind of like look about him you know players who look casual like when, it's, when the good times are good like love them when the bad times come it's like the first players that just get get hammered and he's not even counter he's a hard-working like player you know he always ran a lot always come up
1: quite he's, high on he's probably actually like for what his body is able to do he's probably harnessed almost everything about that there yeah, are other yeah. athletes who who have not done that but you know one of the the scouting reports on uh, on christian erickson back from when he was younger uh, and actually before he moved to England, was that he's not physical enough not an elite athlete can't survive in the premier league like that that came out constantly uh, and I don't know if it was directly related to his hairline or if, uh, <laughs> if they were judging him for other reasons, but he certainly proved that like he had enough talent in order to, to be able to compete there. So I just find it really frustrating. And and the other thing is, it's not just Erickson, right? Like it's it's Danny Rose who you know like he and Levy and his agent have gone. toe-to-toe for quite a while and other players too like but other players some of those other players got improved deals behind the scenes they got upgrades they got bonus packages whatever um so yeah it's 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 a tough spot and obviously levy has done a great job with Spurs. but i I just feel bad that some of these players uh are in this spot now because they have been good soldiers and they've been great like great talent for the the team another thing that happened i think uh you know about six months ago was we were talking to one of our our developers internally and he was talking about how when guys don't play for the national team, like it really turns them off. Or when they try to like get out of national team duty or ask to be excused, I think was, was the way that it looked. And I had to bring up the fact that like there's nobody that fights for these players and their health and their, their mental well-being. And it is an enormous grind. So if you're, if you're an elite Champions League player and your team goes deep into the Champions League, you could be looking at 50, 60 matches that you would play in a year. And then you've got all the international stuff on top of it. Because if you're that good, you're going to be a starter for your national team as well. And honestly, like these guys need a break sometimes. And I, I, saw, I saw some sort of thing that was talking about, oh, this is the wages that the player makes every single week. And so like he's paid to play. That's great. He's paid to play. I understand that. He makes a ton of money but that's a competitive market. He gets paid because there are very few elite footballers and football like needs the best in order to compete that way. Yeah, it's also, also a secondary person. issue, isn't it? It's he's a human.
0: A <laughs> yeah, he has a physical limitation.
1: It's, it's like so Tory to look at it that way. You're just like, no, no, they're also human beings that happen <laughs> to play football. My investment, I want returns on my investments.
0: It's Spurs are interesting because like I mean they've had five they had five hard Pochettino years and like, you know, a lot of them went through Went through their kind of like uh, their peak, and even some of the late peak people like um, Alderweireld and Vertongen are probably you know kind of late peak guys, maybe even Rose as well. And it's like you know they 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 they've had they haven't had like an easy run of just like kind of you know light training and stuff. They've had double sessions, and they're like for five long years. And and last season in particular played deep into the Champions League. A lot of injuries kind of coming. Injuries have still kind of plagued the squad this season as well. So yeah, I mean. Lifespan of lifespan of you know the kind of like the absolute best of a player, you know not everyone's messy, not everyone's Ronaldo, not everyone gets you know fifteen clear years of you know top quality play and uh, fitness and stuff. Many 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 don't, and many players don't kind of uh, you know get more than a handful of years, and especially when they you know played for a team that works so hard at Liverpool. I think are interesting because I think Liverpool have, have very much got on top of this idea. It's like yeah, we press, we're a pressing team, but like we need to understand very much when when to press and when when it's not worth it. You know, we're and two, if we we're two do, nil up, just sit. Whatever. Sure, and if
1: we want to go deep into the Champions League, like mm. with our best talent, we need to rotate. Klopp, Klopp actually said he learned this, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, he definitely I, did. I, that first year, like he burned everybody out, and the Cup of African Nations, like when guys were gone, like he had nothing, and they came out in in February and March, and there was nothing in the tank anymore, and so he he learned by by fire that he needed to rotate more and he had the the time and the grace in order to learn that some some managers don't but the fact of the matter is like again at the club level you want uh you want to keep your your players and your assets you know fresh as much as possible you know the manager often is playing for the now and so there are you know some frictions there and some some competing tendencies i don't know it's i i just i feel like we don't actually know what happens in football Uh, there's all these rumors but like you don't generally know what happens behind the scenes. And so the way since I've existed in this space is I'll try and give people the benefit of the doubt, especially players, because it's hard. And sometimes, you know, players are lazy. That doesn't mean that like everybody is like a a seasoned professional, but it is a tough job. There's a ton of pressure. Like people will just bake these guys on, on social media all the time. They get absolutely battered. And why? Like they're just, they're trying to do their job. Are you awesome at your job? like I, 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 every single day like do you perform at your very best level if someone were watching over you for like tiny things that you might have done wrong like did did you have those issues or are you absolutely perfect at everything you do because that's what fans seem to want nowadays and it's just wrong like you're not going to get it
0: do you know who else gets hammered on social media no prince harry and megan <laughs> <laughs> it's tough for those guys i tell you Ted, what, what's funny? You snuck that one in. I, <laughs> I, I didn't.
1: I wasn't seeing that one.
0: The Prince Harry podcast, right now. Uh, All
1: right, back to the rumors. Uh, so, l- talk to me about Spurs. They they seem to have some needs. They might be catching up from uh, like an eighteen month period where they didn't sign anybody. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: we had a little kind of like scan around to try and like where are the rumors, where are the plays, where what's going on. It's January. The idea is that it's harder or you know less optimal to sign plays in January. I don't know. I'm I'm more I'm more inclined to think that. If your recruitment department is like really on top of things, and you know is make planning well, well maybe you do make most of your signings in the summer. But also, like you'd feel like you'd want to be sharp and snappy and with it. And like it's January, right? Are these players available that we're interested in? If they are, right, we'll grab one in now. And anyway. if they're not, then we won't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you and don't want why. to get
1: you don't want to get like overbid. You don't want to get like leveraged too much, but. The fact of the matter is this is what we think these players are worth these are the needs that we have these are the best of the lot if we have injuries that we have to go out and we still want to compete so say you're you're in and around the championship playoffs and you've got good good metrics at that point you're like all right like we've got a chance to put ourselves yeah really that's in a good contention. point yeah
0: championship contenders are perfect perfect uh, or teams. top four contenders right mm-hmm. so
1: so if if the top four is deep and you look at it and say, actually, I kind of like our numbers. We had one injury that happened. Like we can get better. Like let's make, let's go into the market and see what we can do. Can we get
0: one piece, two pieces? Yeah, maybe exactly. And, just-
1: and and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Uh, for these other ones, like you know, there isn't much innate value because people aren't coming to the end of their contracts. So it's harder to find that. But I I've seen a lot of stuff and a lot of analysis from other other groups that are talking about how like you should just not buy in January. I don't agree with that at all. Like as a general principle, maybe. But the fact of the matter is if you can find kind of inherent value and you know, you're, you're comfortable playing with paying that price. Then it's okay, and there's that a, makes sense.
0: There is also the classic thing, which I don't think I haven't seen really men- mentioned very much, which is a, a, a useful fact, especially like you say for these teams that are on the verge of achieving something. Uh, short-term loans for the summer. We got the euros coming. They got. There must be players out there that are like, I want some minutes. I need to get my squad place in in X Y team. And you know, you could there must be uh, certainly in the Premier League, you know, some loans out there that you could grab. But yeah, we had to look at the kind of like top teams. It's there's, there's not a lot of noise around here, but there is noise. Around Tottenham, um, obviously with Mourinho in there, who when he st- when he arrived was quite happy to say like that he loved the squad and he didn't need any players. <laughs> uh, I think I think that's probably slightly evolved un- under the hood into yes, I do need Portuguese players. It's interesting. Like I, I, fear for the Argentinians at Tottenham, and I like the Argentinians at Tottenham. There's some good players there, <laughs> but now we're now that now now there's the you know the rumors are that like you know X Y like one four like there's rumors that he's available for loan. He's uh, good, right? I think he's good. I mean, he's he's a bit. He's, this is the thing with a defender. Like he has got an error in him. So, whether you smooth that out over time. But he's only 21. What
1: proportion of his errors are as centre-back? What proportion are they as a right-back? Yeah, (laughs) I
0: mean, he's he's only started playing. But he's Argentina's right-back at the moment. So, you know, I wouldn't get rid of him. Um, Los Los Alos hasn't started many games at all. That's just weird. So, that dude has been
1: awesome for two solid seasons. And what is going on? What, What You
0: know, makes me worried. Lamella, a little bit worried. Gazzaniga's been in goal. But, so... You worry about that, and and you I'm know, trying to think if
1: Arsenal have any Portuguese players that they <laughs> could swap for Los <laughs> Well,
0: you know, now now, now uh, you know Tom getting linked with um, Mendes players, but I can't imagine why. The but Flying like, Fernandes brothers, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Fernandes, uh, Bruno Fernandes, he also gets linked with Man United all all the time. Surely one day someone's going to buy him before he kind of gets too old for it. And then this guy in Fernandes, who West Ham were in for for on an eighteen month loan, I don't know what this is all about. Like, and there's, there's this 18 month loan being banded around with a kind of buy option at the end it's just, I
1: don't know why this is the shape of the deal it might be an FFP thing where basically yeah. like you're're you're locking into a certain amount of fee that's guaranteed yeah. and uh, some of these cl- teams are like close on the FFP like the Everton one is is pretty interesting yeah yeah uh, Watford uh, so that was another one that Kieran McGuire was talking about where Watford have a bunch of money sort of owed for future transfers and when they were down near the bottom of the table which wasn't that long ago, you know you're looking at that and you're looking at the liabilities that they've got on the transfer side for future transfers they need to pay and you're also looking at parachute payments which like don't quite cover that and you know they're kicking further things into the future because the owners don't want to stump up like additional monies it's like it, some of these clubs are on rocky finances period and and that's that's true down through the football peri- uh, pyramid i've been talking to to a lot of people in the industry recently about how much it's changed and how much uh, you know, we saw a, a ton of money come in in the last two years, uh, or maybe the two years before this one, where like China pumped money in. Now China has basically quartered all of the the top wages that, that allow people to pay. Uh, they're not buying teams. You're seeing some teams reclaimed because of debt reasons. Um, you know, the people that wrote the the loans to those teams are. Are there, or you're seeing at least articles about it? So, Elliot claimed AC Milan because uh, a Chinese group like no longer had the funds that they could get out of China, but they're also funding Lille. I saw that, yeah, um, that was interesting. Pena, too. Uh, And I'm I'm sure that those aren't the only ones. And then you're seeing things like Macclesfield, Bolton, Bury down in the championship, and probably a lot more because like those budgets are tight, Derby. Uh, late on paying some stuff and potentially being sold Sunderland like it's all over the place and and what we're seeing now is you can't find buyers for for troubled teams that have like legacies it's really really hard and so like football is changing and so like maybe some of the the transfer stuff is changing too like you can't but if that transfer stuff is changing it goes both ways if you've got cash and you see a player that you're interested in and those teams need to need to need to have the cash. Malaga a couple of years ago. Sandy Cazorla and Nacho Monreal, elite players at Malaga, uh, both on the Spanish national team. Arsenal like, hey, we've got cash. We would love to have them. Here's cash up front. We're not kicking these into the future. You know, 12, 13 million. And they got good deals off of them. Now, it may have been summer or otherwise, but that happens all over the place. We took a really close look at some of Bolton's best players, I think three, four years ago uh, while I was at Brentford, thinking that, you know, they're a little bit cash strapped. Same thing happened at Twenta uh, when Twenta had problems. And so as, you know, it's someone else's opportunity. It's not great for fans of those clubs, no question. But it certainly has an impact on the transfer market and people who are bargain shopping still have the opportunity to find those bargains, find those pieces in January. Is, uh, is Gedson Fernandes, not Gelson. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You had made a joke on, on Twitter. Is Gedson Fernandes interesting to you, James, to uh, especially fill that DM slot?
0: uh yeah because he's no because he's not <laughs> hang on no he's not a dm that's the thing that's the whole thing and he's only played like 250 minutes in portugal this season and it's like right okay no
1: he's elite you have to buy him for a lot because he's played 250 and then minutes.
0: like you know look at his look at his metrics from last season it's like okay this he's not a defensive midfielder he's a kind of uh just like i mean sissoko's not a defensive midfielder sissoko's out maybe there's an idea here you need someone who covers like kind of similar kind of uh, like energy, I think like on our metrics, he's like comes up quite well for like pressures and things like that. So he's like quite an energetic player. But yeah, there's the, there's the, like take take the Mendes link out, and it's like right, why would you be interested in this player? And I I can't see why. I can't see anything that means that like oh yeah, this is this guy's the solution. He's young, uh, but he's got a hell of a lot to prove. And you know, Benfica have got you know a handful of like uh, enticing looking players. I wouldn't have necessarily said he was he was the one to go for, but it seems like it's going to happen. I hope. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of noise around this, Hmm. Uh, so the 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 combination
1: of of Mendes. Mourinho and Daniel Levy is a, what, an intriguing cocktail.
0: Again, I mean, and this and this this comes about like Tottenham. We liked Tottenham signings in the summer. We, you know, we were on record saying we liked Tottenham signings. Something the they looked as though they were like thoughtful and considered, and maybe even a little analytics input on there. What I don't like necessarily see is that like somewhere down the somewhere down the road, we got a new manager. That's fine. Your new manager will have some interest and needs. That's also fine, but if it then just leads like the new managers to be picking off agents lists rather than players that you've got a pre-interest in, if that indeed is the case, which it may or may not be, then that's not optimal. And I like it. As an <laughs> op- Please like that, that.
1: Let that be the new thing.
0: We should well, yeah. I mean, I, I think the one the blocker to all this is is um, getting large money deals over the line. Although the thing is, the last time you know, top four is is important to all the big clubs. But the last the last time uh, Spurs were kind of wavering on that when Redknapp came back, uh, Redknapp came in, and they went and spent a load of money that January and bought players in. And um, uh, I can't <laughs> remember why I can't remember if they actually got back to the Champions League, but there there was an intention there. There hasn't been an intention to spend lots of money in January I'm so since. I'm sorry.
1: Like, just the idea of spending a lot of money at the behest of Harry Redknapp has been such a historically catastrophic thing to do. Okay, we're going to spend a lot of
0: money at the behest of Jose Mourinho. It's fine. It's, there's no difference at all. No difference at all. But, yeah, it's an inter- interesting spot for Spurs because, like, you know, their league record now looks quite, uh, still looks mediocre. It looks mediocre. They're nine they points like. back, too. Yeah, and, you know, at various points, that looks as though that could get cut. They've got a couple of tough games out of the way. But still, you know they need to win some games. They've lost. They've lost uh, Kane. Uh, Sissoko, whether you like him or not, has been a pretty reliable kind of uh, contributor, I'm a member of the team. It's a, it's a man down, you know. Uh, he has a nice long extension. That was a good one. Yeah, I wasn't too keen on that, especially now he's been like very injured. But
1: there we Let, go. let's shift. Let's let's look at a because I don't think that you're going to find anybody that's going to help you win the Champions League, which will keep you in the Champions League or overcome. Chelsea's nine-point head start. Tottenham
0: will win the Champions League. You heard it here first. Anyway, uh,
1: Chelsea are apparently in the market for the first time in a little while, and uh, they are looking at potentially centre back. At least is what the rumor says. Uh, Lewis Dunk is rumored at age uh, nearly thirty for fifty million from Brighton. Which Lewis Dunk is another one of those guys where, like, I think I started looking at him when he was age twenty-three. And I was, like, really quite excited by a 23-year-old Lewis Dunk. I was like, hey, you know, if we lose Tarkowski, this guy's really good. And then Matthew's like, yeah, Brighton, and eh, Tony Bloom, history. <laughs> oh, okay, never mind. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, like, you know, he's in the Premier League. Looks like a, he's still a, a pretty solid player there. Doesn't really make any sense for Chelsea. Now, Chelsea may be looking for more homegrowns, but the weird part is their academy is so good that they don't actually need homegrowns yeah. anymore. Uh, as long as they're playing the academy players, which they have been doing to some success. So yeah I don't I don't know like we I think that's a place where the only Chelsea rumors that I've seen seem largely to be agent based because Zaha's agent is out there flogging his his representative again and you know Zaha might be one of the most divisive players in the Premier League for people it, who are yeah, talent evaluators it's
0: true yeah I think people, people either I've never never particularly likes him. I can understand what people do like about him because he can beat men and that always kind of gets people excited. I always thought the end product wasn't quite there from a creative point of view. He scored quite a lot of goals from odd positions like uh, out wide and stuff. But I always think, you know, for the prices that were bandied around uh, for him, which were always like super high, it was like, I, I want more than that from a player. And it,
1: I think the buy that was correct around Zaha was the one that Fergie made way back. Like, you've got a young player, you can continue to sculpt his talent. He, he was owned by Manchester United at one point, looked like you know a, a potential future world beater. And then that never quite materialized. Fergie then retired, and he ended up back at, at Palace for, for the long term. And the question is always, what is this player going to do with better talent around him? Because we know that he hasn't had great talent at Crystal Palace. But the answer to that question is somewhat fixed in time you only want to pay elite premiums for guys that, you know, seem to have a future peak in front of them. And Zaha's creeping up there. Like yeah, he's, he's, he's not young anymore. Yeah. So <clears throat> what are you going to do with that? And if you're managing your budget and, and you're, you're aging well, then you don't pay those types of prices later. And he's got a long-term contract too. So like that, that contract is kind of fixed. Would Crystal Palace potentially want to cash in and, and, Reinvest somewhere else. They got the Juan Basaka money, which is the first time they've had good money. In yeah, I
0: suppose they haven't spent much. Of it, you know. Well, they've
1: been losing. They've been losing money uh, on the on the finance Twitter. Like I, I follow this a lot because it kind of gives you an indicator for what's likely in the future for these teams. And Palace have had not a good squad. Uh, apparently, I guess overpaid on wages and have been losing money consistently. Partly, I guess previously because of manager turnover, uh, but they've been in the Premier League, so it's a weird thing because almost all of these other teams. Are making money like almost all of the teams in the premier league unless you're spending a ton of money at the top end seem to be able to be profitable now because there's so much tv money coming through and palace seemed to belie this this trend so i don't know like i'm i i don't think that zaha to chelsea makes a lot of sense i think that he would he would mess a little bit with like what they're trying to do but the the other rumors they're looking for an elite forward, which is also probably more tricky to find in in this particular window.
0: I think yeah, Chelsea are interesting because the, the, you know they couldn't spend any money per se. I mean they brought Pulisic in anyway, but like they couldn't spend any money this summer and new managers as well. You felt like oh they're they're going to be straight out there and going to you know buy some players as soon as the window opens. Um, but I personally think it's hard to hard to look at Chelsea and say like oh there's a huge need in X Y position. Like, their squad is is quite deep. A uh, lot of this good young talent has come through and, like, taken the slots that maybe they, you know, needed to fill out on. You know, you say they needed a centre-back. Well, Tamori just appeared out of nowhere. You know, things like that. Uh, Reese James has just come through and is, is clearly a perfectly, you know, serviceable member of the squad. and yeah, could, I'm, could I'm, be a very good player. You know, I'm, I'm like. not
1: sure he's, he's quite the level that they want, but as a young player getting some minutes, yeah, and, like, uh, that's great.
0: Yeah, guy 18 or 19 in a squad like you know these these guys are perfect for this kind of role so yeah it'd be interesting to see if chelsea do actually uh, go out there and spend especially after seeing how much they were underwritten by their owner in the last year or so which was something that floated floated by on the internet the other day
1: yeah and and this is also the thing about you know fans they they want they want somebody to write the checks forever and chelsea are are more like well we could we could probably sell marcos alonso back to (laughs) back to italy or spain at this point uh, you know, Dave's going to be around forever. I think it's probably quite a will be there for the long mm. term. But there are other players in there that you're. You know, are they, are they good? Are they happy? And and do we have somebody in the line that that could you know potentially start taking those points? Like big baby Zuma has nearly has basically seventeen hundred minutes, which you know quietly been really good. But Rudiger now is is you know a bit of. A second-tier backup. Emerson's had like half of the minutes in the league. is probably good enough, but there's always that risk-reward element. You got uh, Ross Barkley, who. I don't know. I, I'm the, the eternal question of Ross Barkley, who's still, I guess, only 26, right? So mm-hmm. he's not he's not old, but he's probably not Chelsea quality. And then they are, you know, loaning out some of their cast-offs, like uh, a Danny Drinkwater, who <laughs> who's going from place to place and trying to find some, some minutes. I
0: think another thing to consider is, like, you know, if, if you're looking at the value proposition, like, where are they in the league? They're in fourth. They yeah. look quite... Well, in fourth at the moment, the metrics look okay, so like you could easily cast your eye over Chelsea, cast your eye over their squad, cast your eye over their league position, and say, like, right, we don't actually need to do something right now unless you can identify a specific need and we can like back it up with the right deal. So, yeah, I don't, Chelsea, not perhaps as uh, needy as you might think, but. Yeah, it's interesting. I it feels quiet at the moment. I guess it's still early in the month. There's two two three weeks to go and there will be
1: It is, but I feel like also recent Januarys have been quieter. Yeah, like there true, are Yeah, true true. The two two ones that were interesting that I think either are in progress or ha- already happened. Uh Patrick Cutrone uh has moved and he was at Wolves and he was at AC Milan previously and now he's on loan to Fiorentina, is that right? I'm not sure actually. Okay. Uh but yeah, yeah, I don't think he's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> well, <I laughs> he looked delighted is, is in the pitch, the arrival picture. you or real the <laughs> happy to be back
0: home. I mean, this is the thing. Sometimes you just want to go
1: home Like yeah. the Italians love their home food, yeah, yeah. home cuisine. Uh, no, but he's he's back in Italy. We think that he's actually quite good and possibly a future national team starter for for um, Italy, Italian national team. Uh, had had looked very good until like started getting played basically as a defensive forward constantly. But he's he's perfectly capable, and his his time at Wolves was actually very good when he was allowed to play. Uh, so he's gone, and then uh, Piatek is is you know has various loan moves because he's kind of fell out at Milan. Milan have had like the weirdest season. Um, look like they were you know, on the cusp of Champions League last year and then uh, a poor manager hire and just can't score goals for whatever reason. So, you know, that, that's... Zlatan type... can't, Ted. Zlatan can score goals. Well, that's also true too. When you bring in Zlatan, he's going to take any time from these other guys who might score goals, and he probably will score goals, but he probably won't do much else. Is Zlatan's role in the Big Five basically a much larger Jermaine Defoe?
0: <laughs> that's a little mean, Ted, I think. Zlatan, Zlatan does not agree with you, Ted.
1: <laughs> I, so there are two things going on here. I love Zlatan. Uh, Jermaine Defoe was just like a black hole of shots and nothing else in terms of build-up play. Um, he is successful at scoring in Scotland, which I think tells us a little more about the Scottish leagues than we might want to know. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's it's... I don't know, like you're you're searching for anything at this point. And and that's a little bit like Milan are doing that, Fiorentina had a had a big struggle uh, up until that point. And so teams that need something and in some cases are looking for anything that, that puts them at least in mid table security, like will make those deals too.
0: All right, I think that well, that's probably good for us, Ted. We've done we've done a bit of a bit of a wrap around there, roundup.
1: Um, are you sure that you don't want to get stuck in on the royal family?
0: No. I was just looking at Bournemouth, and I think I'm maybe stuck into them, but we'll wait for next week. Okay. Uh, <laughs> interesting questions there,
1: too. All right, thank you for your time, everybody. Uh, it probably will be a little more, uh, a little quicker update than this last time for our next podcast. And I know some of you have been desperate for this, so enjoy. For the rest of you who were not desperate for us, you know, listen to us on four X Speed and just get it out of the way.
0: Anyway, let's start talking about the royal family.